Hello everyone, welcome to the new week and welcome to episode 68 of Meet the Farmers. I'm your host Ben Eagle and thank you very much for joining me this week. If you didn't hear last week's episode, that was the first in this new format for the show. We're now weekly, which hopefully from your point of view, you'll now know now know when to actually listen rather than episodes being released randomly as they have been in the past. <laughs> Monday morning at 9am is the new launch time for episodes, but you can of course tune in at any time during the week at your leisure or indeed listen back to the bank of episodes previous, um, which are all available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and others, or you can visit my blog site, which is thinkingcountry.com. Now, let's take a look at what's coming up on the show today. I'll be speaking to Matthew Hawthorne in the Farmer Focus section today. Matthew is farm manager of the Euston Estate in Suffolk. And we'll also be playing everyone's favourite new game, Guess the Crop. Thank you to the few of you who actually got in touch last week with your answer. You all have a point on the board and you know who you are. First, though, let's have a look at the news from the past week. The headlines this week are again dominated by coronavirus and its impact. We of course learnt last Thursday that the UK is under another three weeks of lockdown in the way that we've been getting used to over the past month. The dairy sector continues to be under a lot of pressure and despite a conference call meeting last week between farming union representatives, processor chief executives and DEFRA secretary George Eustace last Wednesday, it looks unlikely that DEFRA will be providing additional support outside the existing support packages. These include the government's coronavirus business interruption loan scheme, which has had a mixed reception, so still tough very tough news and a difficult situation there for lots of dairy businesses. Away from dairy, there is concern about who will be picking Britain's fruit and veg. Peak demand will be around mid-May, but the expected numbers of seasonal workers from Eastern Europe aren't coming because of corona, so there's the question of how crops will be harvested. The government is expected to launch a Pick for Britain campaign in the coming weeks, and thousands of Brits have already been in touch with farms looking for pickers. Meanwhile, coronavirus has also presented new opportunities for growers and a lot of growers have started their own veg boxes and are selling direct through deliveries. Sky lanterns have been in the news again. One particular sky lantern company came up with the idea of encouraging people to release a sky lantern as a way of showing support for NHS workers and the money raised would go to the NHS but farmers and firefighters have hit back against the idea. After all, these lanterns can cause immense damage in the countryside, especially with it being so dry at the moment. Wheat prices experienced a bit of a fall so far this month, after the gains they made at the onset of the rise of corona cases last month. Futures prices have also fallen since last month. Traders are currently looking closely at the weather in southern Russia and parts of Europe, as it's been particularly dry and this is likely to impact on prices. So, corona is the focus and it's a storm that we're all going to have to ride our way through, being thankful for the amazing job that healthcare workers are doing right now and taking a quiet and hopeful satisfaction that it seems it seems that the social distancing and isolation strategies seem to work seem to be working. And that is the news for now.
So it's time for our main feature of today's show, rebranded as Pharma Focus. Well, in reality, it's just like all the other um, old episodes, just in a smaller, shorter version. And uh, for this, uh, I was really pleased to speak to Matthew Hawthorne from the Eastern Estate in Suffolk. I should also thank the Chadacre Agricultural Trust at this point, who support the podcast in order to profile food and farming in Suffolk and adjoining counties. But for now, it's over to Matthew. It's I've got Matthew Hawthorne on the line, who is farm manager at the Euston Estate in Suffolk, which is a 10,500 acre estate um, owned by the Dukes of Grafton. The farmland of the estate uh, comes to over 6,000 acres and the rotation typically includes wheat and barley, but there's also uh, sugar beet. Uh, they grow some maize for AD, some rye for AD. Uh, there's potatoes, onions, carrots and parsnips. Uh, there's 100 red pole cows. Um, and some outdoor pigs as well. Um, further, there's about 1,200 acres uh, in HLS, various conservation schemes, and uh, outside the farmland, there's 1,500 acres of woodland. Euston Farms was awarded the accolade of Greenest Farming Business in the Creating the Greenest County Awards back in 2016. Matthew, thanks for talking to me. Um, apart from having, I'm assuming pretty sandy soils uh, tell me about your part of the world and the bricks generally uh, what's it like to live and work there so yeah two-thirds of the farm i would say is typical breckland sand um with the third of the farm that's sort of more towards bury st edmunds uh, being slightly more bodied soil so that's your your area for your wheat production and yeah. uh, and and the sort of cereal cropping and then obviously the the breckland sand lends itself perfectly to vegetable production what, what about you? Did, uh, did you always want to work in farming? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, um, I, I started off Bury St. Edmunds and uh, a friend of mine had a farm. There's no farming in the family. Okay. A friend of mine at school had a farm, so we used to spend some time there. Yeah. And that, that's, that's where I initially got the bug, yeah. <laughs> and you never looked back? Never looked back. <laughs> um, and uh, getting to work at Euston, how, how did you get into your current role? And uh, was, it, was it a gradual step up through through the ranks? Yeah, it was. So, so when I actually started agricultural training, my parents lived in Sussex at the time. They had a hotel on the uh, south coast and uh, we was only down there about five years. But I was down there at the time when it was time to go to college and get some education. Yeah. Um, so I actually done my education at Plumpton Agricultural College, uh, okay, yeah. just, just outside Brighton. And, um, and my grandparents lived in one of the villages that, that Euston Farm around, a village called Honington. And when talking to my grandparents one day about my sandwich year, they said, oh, you know, why didn't you write a letter to uh, a guy called Mr. John Farrow, who was the farm manager at the time, yeah. which I did. And uh, I came up for the interview. And um, yeah, that's that's sort of where we've got to today. <laughs> and uh, I suppose, yeah, I mean, what, what advice would you give to somebody interested in, in, in following in your footsteps and ultimately becoming a farm manager, but, but, but taking those first steps into ag, if you're not from a farming background. I think where a lot of people go wrong is they haven't got that grit and determination and longevity of service in them. And, and I think maybe in farming, it's not so relevant, but in working on an estate, they look at the person really three-dimensionally so it's not just about your ability to grow another half a ton of wheat they want somebody reliable solid they they're interested in the character what is this guy going to do for my business in the community 
Yep. Is he somebody that you might bump into at church? You know, they're looking for a lot of other things as well as just good crop husbandry. Yeah. In terms of the rest of uh, the team on the estate, how, how many people are employed on the estate? How, how big's your team? I think the total payroll was something like 32 people. Okay. Um, I have uh, eight full-time tractor drivers and a student um, working alongside me. Um, yeah, so that, that's sort of a, a fairly small team. But a lot of our vegetable land um, enterprise, that's all supported by Abrys from Retton, which is just the other side of Thetford. Yep. So our guys do get involved with vegetables, but not we're not supplying the full workforce for vegetables. Yeah. What's a, what's a typical day like for you? Uh, every day is different and interesting. <laughs> every day has got laughter in it. There's not a day <laughs> when I don't laugh. There'll be something funny or the characters that I've maybe uh, propagated to work here. They they were they were funny guys when they first come, but I, yeah. I allow it to be funny. So every day's got a bit of laughter in it and always some silly story. Um, but yeah, it's just very very diverse. And I've told thousands of people if this was about 2,000 acres of wheat and 2,000 acres of barley and 2,000 acres of rape and 1,000 acres of sugar beet, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. It's it's the other stuff. It's the gamekeeping, the deer stalking, the um, the house, you know, Euston Hall. It's the parkland. It's the woodland. It's the 32 people that I bump into on my journey round. It's the builder, the plumber, the electrician. They're the people that make it the best job in Suffolk without yeah, yeah, yeah. shadow of a doubt. Do you think the um do you think the future for these uh traditional estates looks healthy? I think the future does, but I think they've been through a really bad time, you know, from today going back twenty years, you know, with um succession planning, inheritance tax, you know, a lot of these taxation and these these legal things about the business has brought a lot of these businesses to a halt, you know, the Maybe the, the person who owned the estate didn't have farming knowledge and was relying on tenant farmers or, you know, other people coming in, agents, advice, all that sort of stuff. But at Euston, we've always been involved with an agent. Um, in this one, it's, it's Bidwell's. But they've never, they've never steered us. Yeah. They've advised us, but never steered us. And I think if there's, some, if there's some good guys in the workforce, you know, Andrew Blenkheim, the director here, myself, the farm manager, I think that you know you can you can get through all these challenges, but I think some of the owners that maybe don't know so much about their business, um, I think they struggle. So I think the future's good, but I think they've come through real challenging times, and we've seen the demise of a lot of bigger states because of taxation and, putting it bluntly, lack of knowledge about what their business can do. Tell me about your rotation, um, and and how experimental are you with what you grow? Do you, do you tend to be fairly typical with what with what you're growing? Is is it working for you? I wouldn't say we're experimental with what we grow. I uh, am quite experimental sometimes with how we grow it. Okay. Um, I don't believe in uh, changing the wheel, but I think the way the wheel goes round may be uh, open to a little bit of um, investigation. Yep. But uh, there's basically two rotations. So does the rotation include veg, yes or no? So it will be, if it doesn't include include veg, it would be maybe two mazes, um, a, a sugar beet, a wheat, a barley, um, you know, another rye or something like that. And then where it does contain uh, vegetables, then the, the rotation is a lot more complex. And 
you know, it typically goes potatoes, wheat, um, into barley, into onions. Um, so yeah, very, very varied. There's no, there's no sort of, I couldn't even give you two hard and fast rules as to how the rotation works. Yeah. And, and we get steered a lot by Avery's at Retton. Yeah. You know, they say we need more potatoes this year or we need more carrots this year. So depending on soil types and what they're looking for and early and late planting and irrigation capacity, that's a massive thing here because you can't have all your vegetables up one corner of the farm. You know, they have to be evenly spread throughout the, the pipe network. Um, to to irrigate effectively and so there's a lot of factors apart from the previous crop that influence how we lay out our rotation what about your maize and your rye crops for ad how how long have you been doing that Uh, we've had an ad plant for um six years Uh, it's uh it's owned by another company but we provide the feedstock to go in it um so yeah that's that's all sort of semi-new to us still um, we're doing some double mazes, which seems to work well. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it's included in the in the in the sort of standard cropping. What, what were some of your key challenges of farming in the Brex? Springtime is becoming more and more challenging. I never forget my mum's birthday is the twenty eighth of March, and we was irrigating on the twenty eighth of March. Huh. You know, and 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 that was about I think about four or five years ago. And you yeah. just think to yourself, what the hell is going on? You know, it was. It was like 22 degrees yeah. at the end of March and we was irrigating onions. And, you know, the spring is really is a lottery now. I, I can pretty much predict the summer. You're going to get some sun. You're going to get some rain normally yeah. towards the wind. Um, winter times are normally wet and miserable and don't do people a lot of good. We don't normally get any snow. But spring is literally, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, um, and and spring spring planting sugar beet, you know, with soil that blows away, and trying to get a cover crop established before you plant the sugar beet to protect the sugar beet as they grow um, from the wind and the erosion. You know, um, drilling onions, you know, irrigation, trying to get spraying done. You know, spring is a challenging time for us. Yeah, I assume there's been a fair amount of investment with regards to irrigation over the years. Yeah, we uh, we had an irrigation system put in in the seventies, a tiny one, that would irrigate probably three hundred acres, yeah. um, right near right near the near the estate office where home farm is, and then two thousand and six we put uh, a, a hundred million gallon reservoir in, and started a pipe network. In two thousand twelve we put another uh, irrigation reservoir in, and every year we we continue to expand the pipe network to take the, the water into new areas of the farm. We've sort of finished pretty much now. Yeah. There's about 5,000 acres that's irrigatable. Um, and there, there's 40 kilometers of underground main um, that, that transports water around the farm. So it's a massive, massive system. What's going to be your biggest challenge moving forward, do you reckon? Uh, we're obviously all keen to find out about the, uh, the new support system um for farming and how uh, how that will roll out what that will look like how countryside it is and how farming it is and and how wildlife orientated it is um so yeah we 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 see that as a challenge obviously it's a, an opportunity too because we can restructure what we do and uh, we're very lucky here that is a real wildlife rich area um you know we've got woodland we've got we've got hot sand we've got heathland we've got river meadows you know there's lots of things that we can easily adapt our estate to meet criteria set out by support payments
Absolutely. So even though, because obviously you're, you're one of the bigger boys out there, you'll be losing the greatest percentage of, uh, you'll be in that, that highest tier of, of losing BPS first. Um, but you, if you've got enough strings to your bow um, to, to be flexible enough to, to, to stage that through. Correct. Yeah. And like I say, we've got countless opportunities to, to make something work for, for whatever the new scheme wants us to do. Yeah. You know, we can crop it all and grow potatoes on it all, or we can put wildlife corridors in, new plantings of trees, you know, heathland, restoration, all sorts of things. Yeah, the, the list is endless. So yeah. no, we're in a, a lot better position than a lot of people are. Yeah. What do you get up to away from farming? I like boats. Ah, okay. I don't, people say, oh, do you go sailing? Do you go out on one, whatever? <laughs> but I don't do any of that. I like looking at them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a boat of my own, which is a, a long project. It's only a 16 foot open fishing boat, but I've been, um, it's been under construction for probably six or seven years. So I need to <laughs> get myself into gear and get that finished. But yeah, I do, I do like the whole thing of boats and I'm not talking like your, your white boat that goes to Marbella and all that sort of thing. <laughs> I'm talking about a Cornish fishing boat and all the character and the part, part of the engine around that. So I like that. Um, nice. I do a lot with, um, education so i like uh, i'm a school governor at my local primary yep. and i like supporting a lot of education in farming do quite a lot of that on the estate um so yeah a lot of times taken up by getting the next school visit organized getting to the next seminar about teaching kids and all that sort of thing so um yeah i was gonna say yeah because i've done the bit the bit, bit of research i did for this for this recording uh, when, when you google you um definitely a lot a lot of comes up on outreach I mean, that's, that's, that's super important for the future of the industry, right? It is. And I think a lot of people, and when I started out doing it sort of five years ago, I got really into it. When I started out doing it, I think people thought that I was after the next apprentice to yeah, you know, be a clean yeah. cleaner and then do a bit of chain harrowing and then go roller and then be my drillman. I wasn't after that at all. What I want the children to do that live locally, and, and no matter where they live, I want them to understand what's going on in the fields. That's all I want them to do. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, when you tell a, a six year old that sugar grows in the field, it blows their mind. <laughs> you know, they, they, they don't know where it comes from, but to think it grows in a field is like, Matthew, you are joking. <laughs> what the hell is this bloke on about? But, but I just want them to know, you know, when, when the, when the muddy trailer pulls out on the road in November and it's lashing down a rain and mum says to the child in the back, why do these farmers have to go on the road in the rain? I want the child to look through the headrest and say, because on that trailer is sugar beet yeah. and you can harvest it in the winter months. You know, that's what I want to happen. Have you had some good questions from kids over the years? Yeah, blow your mind. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not going to say all the, all the basic ones about where does milk come from, Tesco and all that sort of stuff. The, the, the children that I get involved with are, are, are far deeper and more inquisitive than that sort of level of question and answer but yeah, yeah. You, you get some you get some blinders absolute blinders yeah right if it's okay with you um we do this thing on the podcast called the one minute soapbox um which it it needn't be a rant and everyone always asks me this sort of yeah does it have to be a rant about something it could be something positive um it could be a local cause um it could be an interest um or it could be something to do with farming um, but yeah, so you get one minute to talk about anything that you want. Um, have, have you got any subject in mind? Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I've got one minute on the clock. 
Um, so you've got one minute to introduce your subject and talk on it. Matthew Hawthorne in one minute, starting now. My subject is mental health, but two-pronged. So I am totally supportive of mental health and, um, and what's, what's happening in the, in the world today. What I'm really, really, really concerned about is bandwagons and people having a bad day and because they've heard a lot about mental health, think they've got a mental health issue. And I'm doing my mental health first aid course um, in a couple of weeks. But I'm really concerned for people who haven't got a lot of hope because they're having a bad time, divorce, all the hundreds of things, cancer, all the sort of things like that. I'm really concerned about where this boundary is about I've got mental health issues, look after me versus I'm having a bad day, look after me, you know, and I'm, I'm really concerned about that. And like I say, I am totally on board with it. I'm more on board with it than somebody who maybe listened to this and hasn't got an opinion on it, but I am really worried about people just joining the bandwagon and, and saying they've got issues every element of my life that I go into, whether it's farming, whether it's ringing a supplier for a bag of seed, whether it's meeting people on the street, there is lots of snowflakes about. And I'm concerned about the, the grit and determination of my community, generally speaking. Um, you know, my community could be the UK or Thetford, Bury St Edmunds, Cambridge, whatever. But I'm just concerned about people who have spent too much money on an iPhone 11 who suddenly can't pay their electric bill, suddenly thinking they've got a mental health issue. Um, so that's what I'm concerned about at the moment. And like I say, fully supportive of it. I know it's out there. I know people who have suffered from it and talked to them a long time about it. But I'm also concerned that people who just need to sort themselves out and get on with life are going to join this bandwagon of you know i need help i need government support i need whatever that was uh that was a lot longer than a minute but i, I wanted to let that run on because i think it's a, it is a really important subject to talk about and something that we've we've delved in on the podcast a it, lot it is, it is. and I, I think there's loads of people talking about it but i think a lot of people are thinking what i've said yeah about bloody hell there's a lot of people out there you know just need to get on with it i, yeah. I have a bad day you know i have a bad day once a month once a week but you know, I don't. I don't think I've got a mental health issue. Yeah, yeah. No, there is. There is a definite, definite difference. Because the um, thing is, if we don't help the right people, the help is going to be diluted and ineffective. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. and I, I want to help the people who really can't go out of the house and are really scared to go out of the house and all that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I want to help people who are thinking about taking their own life, but I don't want to help people who have just spent too much on their iPhone and can't afford to feed the baby. Yeah. That's just basic responsibility. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been really good no, having thank, you. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. It's really good. It's Matthew Hawthorne there, the farm manager at the Eastern Estate in Suffolk. Huge thanks to Matthew. And if you're a farmer yourself and you're interested in coming on the show and telling people about your farm and what you've got going on, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me on Twitter or Instagram at mtf underscore podcast. Just direct message me on there. Or you can email me when the email address is thinkingcountry or one word at gmail.com. Now it's time to guess the crop. Time to guess the crop. Just tell me what the type of crop is. 
Yes, this is Guess the Crop. I'm going to give you three clues, and once you have an answer, just send it to me by following the podcast on Twitter or Instagram at mtf underscore podcast and direct messaging me or emailing thinkingcountry at gmail.com. If you didn't send an answer to last week's mystery crop, there were a few of you. Thank thank you, everyone who did message in. (laughs) Thanks for playing along. Um, Just listen back to that episode and send me both answers at the same time. There will be a special prize at the end of the year posted to the person with the most correct answers. So honestly, this is well worth getting involved with. (laughs) Here are your clues for this week's crop. Farmers among you, I promise they will get progressively more difficult, but I'm starting off with some easier ones so that everyone can get some points on the board. Time to guess the crop. Just tell me what the type of crop is. Number one, it's a member of the mustard or cabbage family. Number two, its seed is the third largest source of vegetable oil in the world. And number three, and this one does rather give it away, <laughs> it's known for its bright yellow flowers. So message me or email me your guess. Time to guess the crop. Just tell me what the type of crop is. Once again, you can follow the podcast on Twitter or Instagram at MTF underscore podcast. And the show is now also available on Facebook. Search for Meet the Farmers podcast. And excitingly, it's also now on YouTube where you can see extended interviews with some of the guests on the show. That's all we've got time for, but I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay safe and well this week, whatever you're up to. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss another episode. I'm Ben Eagle. This has been Meet the Farmers. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next week.